Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research. This is episode 90. How are you doing, Hunter Ginn, my always able and more literate co-host? How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I've been a little bit under the weather, but uh, feeling feeling pretty well tonight. Very excited to talk about some Prague, man. Swedish Prague. Some, and, yeah, yeah, and some, uh, yeah, almost, um, we'll talk about the uh, the potential for fancy rock as well here, because mm. like they, uh, and you brought this up years and years and years ago. But uh, some fancy rock going on, too, I believe. Yeah, when their fifth album, A Time of Day, came out. We are talking, of course, about no less than Anecdoten from Sweden. We will get into them deeply pretty soon here. Uh, wanted to mention an interesting thing. <laughs> a, a few weeks ago, I was being cheeky, and I asked listeners to send cash to our P.O. box, and I gave out the P.O. box with the zip code. Uh, and I do have a P.O. box here in Greensboro. It's usually just for business purposes and keeping home addresses off the internet and things like this. So I was just being cheeky and it was fun and we appreciate contributions, however you can give them. We didn't get a, a monetary contribution so much today, but we did get what is basically the first ever piece of radical research snail mail from a fan, um, not like a musician we know who's sending us a record or something, which we have been lucky enough to, to have that happen too. But but this guy just popped out up out of nowhere. He is a musician. It's just not anybody we're aware of. So. His name is Alex Cantwell from New Mexico. He's in a doom slash stoner slash desert rock band that is still sealed on my desk because this was just today. I haven't listened to it, but that band is called that band is called Red Mesa. Pretty great artwork. So that's interesting to have a, a fan out there from the real desert rock area, right? The desert of desert rock. The desert of desert rock. So anyway, he yeah, if you're a desert rock band from Canton, you know, <laughs> but less convincing. Coming sure. from New Mexico, I'm, I'm, I'm going to believe you. Right, right. Anyway, he had, you know, some comments about a lot of nice things. So he mentioned Metal Maniacs. He sent us that CD copy I mentioned. Um, he had a few requests or questions. And and, and um, what I love about this is he didn't even send an email for reply. So to get back to him, we'd either have to write an actual letter, which I love that. I love that. We used to do that a lot, but never do it anymore. So snail mail is back, but we're going to just respond to the letter right now before we get to anecdotes. So we, we appreciate Alex taking the time. Let's address his questions publicly, shall we? Um, first, he says, first he says, I hope one day you guys will actually do an episode or maybe a six-part episode series about Voivod. <clears throat> and that's interesting well, because- Asking we're you shall receive. We're coming up on 100 and we've been promising kind of the way we did with Into the Pandemonium for number 50. We have been promising and, and knowing that we're going to do Voivod for number 100. We're not sure what form it will take. I think it'll be a crazy long episode if I have my way. Six part, perhaps. We'll, well, it wouldn't be the first time you've had your way with me, Wagner. Oh, um, moving on. Um, <laughs> that's kind of creepy <laughs> uh so that's cool that he mentioned them then he says i'm also hoping you'll do an episode on monogarm which i can only imagine is this are they like a swedish uh, uh black metal band i i don't know i i know that name i remember when the records were coming out in the 90s and early 2000s i think but i don't probably no, probably no chance of that because it doesn't sound like we know shit about them um although that would be a I'm, I'm, i've never even heard of them so oh, you have you haven't how do you, how do you spell it m-a-n-e garm you know how to spell garm i yeah I, I i've never heard of that band look them up on metal archives uh after we're done what label were they on? you'll probably recognize the logo i want to yeah. say napalm but i could be totally wrong okay maybe well. maybe, la maybe last episode i mean they they weren't 
but they were a thing. I mean, they have some level of discography. Anyhow, that's a request that we probably won't get to from the sound of it. Yeah, sorry. Um, he said we helped him understand aw- the awesomeness of uh, Vedwen Zenda, which I recently learned through a mm. conversation with Carl Michael that mm-hmm. it's actually a uh, Vedwen's Anna. And that's as close as I can possibly get to that. Uh, but we're really happy that he discovered that band through us. Uh, he recently, and he mentioned recently Farraquet, Farraquet, who uh, yeah. really, he can't thank us for that. He has to thank Forrest Pitts, if you want to look at that episode. Yeah, yeah, that seriously. A few episodes ago where that was unknown to us. And of course, uh, uh, it, it impressed us. Uh, he loved the Dax Rig episode. He said it was awesome. And um, then he mentions Extol, and he goes into some some sentences about Extol. And he mentions in particular the third and fourth albums, which I guess that's the fourth one is Blueprint Dives, right? Yeah, and then Synergy. Synergy before it. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah there's no reason we wouldn't cover those two. I, and I think only those I, two. But- and I even, um, I told Justin Pravat, our, our, our good friend, because he he's probably the biggest X-Toll fan in the world. Wow. Um, and, I, and, I, and I mean that. Like Justin's dedication to X Toll knows no bounds. That's and he asked us, he asked me if we would do an X Toll show. And I told him we'd do it on the Blueprint Dives. And he seemed a little deflated by that. I, I um, think it would make sense to do Synergy and Blueprint. I mean, you, I think. Yeah, we do like the Century of- Media. Oh, yeah. I love, well, dude, I mean, I'm, I love Believer. <laughs> I mean, Synergy is basically just a Believer record. But you, what I was going to say was you like the earlier uh, X Toll a little more than I do. I, I, I like Undeceived know. a lot. Yeah, I've never connected with that. I used to have it. Yeah. And I just couldn't get into it. And as good as that self-titled is that came out a few years ago, I was really hot on it when it came out. And I even read Same. about it. And and I've kind of really turned off to it again. Yeah, I, I've gotten that's that's really well, I mean, it's not surprising. Um oh, but okay. uh, but same. Um I, I last time I played it, I had a pretty I would I was like nuts about it when it came out, but I think largely because I did not I didn't even know that they were still a band when it came out. Um, it was, and it, was it came strong. out of nowhere, yeah. like 2013, and it's it was quite strong. Objective, um, yes, absolutely. And, and and I think the vocals I've soured on they're 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 kind of generic, but they are generic, not even kind of. Yeah, but that's a band that like if you know Extol and you know Radical Research, it probably won't surprise you. And we're you know really in form, really enthusiastic about Blueprint Dives, and of course, yeah, Twisted into Form, the Spiral Architect, Extol super group project that we love uh that's probably a uh, maybe a show as well mm. um let's get to it this is two songs from anecdoten's first album we're going to jump right in there's a lot to talk about while they were tagged as highly inspired by a certain english band from the 70s that you'll just have to I, guess i don't, I don't know man i don't hear it I, I, I want to defend them throughout this this episode, though, by noting how quickly they kind of left that. We, I think we all- will, but the, but the first album, so, sort of indebted. We're Especially- not going to say because we feel like uh, all of our, our faithful listeners will probably pick up on this influence. <laughs> the ones worth their salt. Or or who's still listening after all that blabber and and now going to prog rock. So let's do it. This is a, a song called The Flow. It's It's huge in here. And also the old man in the sea from their first album. How are we going to pronounce it? Vmod, Vemod. Uh, ve- yeah, Vmod, Vmod. I don't know. Look, our um, our crimes against the Nordic languages are such <laughs> at this point that I I I, I don't know. I, I hope we've been pardoned by uh, by Norway and Sweden. Garm hasn't told me that he's pissed off with us yet, so I'm, I'm, I'll just take that as, as... If, hey, if if Garm's okay, we're all okay. <laughs> and this Do came I... out. It, this came out in what year, Hunter? 1993 Jeff 
All right. That most magical of years. And, and I think, and we can talk about this later, I think you and I got this album and got into this band at the same exact time because we wow. were actually physically together. Oh, that's interesting. I can't wait I think, to hear that because I kind of forget exactly. Okay, I think I, I think I'm right on that. Uh, but uh, right. yeah, anyway, uh, let's uh, let's listen.
Okay, man. Um, lost to say the first thing it occurred to me that there's a great fucking champ song title in there. And I think only people that know King Crimson deeply will get this, but um, Jamie Muir, please whistle. Because <laughs> what do we hear at the beginning of the flow? We hear that like Lark's Tongues Dude, um, with with the entrance being that whistle. You know, I just, there is um wow. yeah, there there is a lot of wetton era crimson being uh pillaged throughout those two. You know, and 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 I just really kind of um even going through these before we recorded, it didn't strike me, but um when we were listening to the flow, the drumming almost anticipates Mastelato era. Uh, crimson i heard like that kind of rhythmic motion that you hear on construction of light or yeah. on um uh the power to believe yep um but well, th this is you know a good seven years before that's a really good point and let's talk about crimson for a second twist your arm that band no matter what creative streak or phase they went through they were always so king crimson it's a little bit like voivod where no matter what era, there's such personality and recognizability and yep. all that great stuff, yep. um, such character and such integrity. I think, and I th and 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 Anecdoten are one of many bands influenced by Crimson, of course, uh, across a wide swath of musicians. The, the influence of they're like the greatest pretty... band of all time. Well, yeah, I mean, their 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 influence is pretty wide. They probably are my favorite. If I had to pick a favorite band, that's probably my favorite band. Oh, I mean, yeah. like you say there's no other band that has that many like great records across that much time and that many styles and you know permutations and you know, anyway. <laughs> the ideas the musicianship i mean it's just a total total package yeah oh yeah absolutely so so anyway the, you know anecdote came out in the 90s when uh bands like anglogard did and and uh Landwerk scandinavian prog bands that kind of revived the style over there anyway and each to a degree you know well to quite a degree influenced by deeply in the 70s prog and i think anecdote were the most crimson-esque of that group anyway yeah I, and <laughs> the the bass tone in old man in the sea is just so obscene and wet and esque it's just blown <laughs> out it's it's gorgeous the attack is incredible Yes, it's very, very close to King Crimson of that era. So was Art Kane, the the French band from the 70s. We can hear it in a lot of bands. Um, and this is a clear, clear tribute. And this band, you know, when they got together, they were called King Edward. So you already have King in there. Mm -hmm. uh, they, were, they were playing a lot of material by King Crimson. So they formed basically as for their love of Crimson. And, and I'm obviously <laughs> they're prog heads. So we, I'm sure they go deeper. And we're just going to hear that influence pretty strongly over the first couple of albums. And this is part of the intrigue of this band. I guess this is a good time to mention that oddly, that Japanese band we like, Gonanish, started as an anecdote and cover band, which is interesting for a couple of reasons. One, that's just interesting because <laughs> who does that? That's pretty interesting. <laughs> who does that? And then two, Gonanish itself does not sound like anecdote. No. And not in the same way no. that anecdote sounds like King Crimson. But it makes sense once mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. once you know them, yes, yes, you know. exactly. So, you you finished my, my thought and point, thank you. And then, just a couple years later, this is the most prolific they would be because the albums started to come out less and less. But 
we get an album called Nucleus in 95, and we're going to play a couple songs from that. This is Harvest and This Far From The Sky.
Yeah, I think you still hear a band very much in the throes of the King Crimson ecstasy, but you can already start to hear them disentangling themselves from that. There were little small hints. You know, the roads um, that you hear you at the beginning of Harvest, little keyboard touches, little tiny things. And you also kind of hear them beginning to explore that more lyrical side of the Wetton era that I think very often gets passed over. Things like Book of Saturday or Lament. Exactly. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Totally. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I, if you love King Crimson, you don't just love the stuff that reminds you of, of Voivod, Dimension, Hatros era. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Right, right. They took that aspect of Crimson, Voivod did, and ran with it. There's so much more to Crimson. And that's the thing. If you love Crimson, you love you love Heartbeat, I hope. One of the, the greatest bass performances in rock history, as far as I'm concerned. Tony Levin. You, you want to you you learn how to play bass professionally? Listen <laughs> to Heartbeat, folks. Uh, there you go. But yeah, that's all I'm saying. Is like, um, I love that anecdote and shows are not just that one trick King Crimson Pony. Like they've really absorbed everything. They've absorbed Lizard. The amount of Mellotron, King Crimson always wins. <laughs> yeah, <that's> <laughs> I guess that could be the title of this episode, The Amount of Mellotron, Anecdoten. Because there's a lot. And and yet, while King Crimson played mm. a lot of Mellotron, I, I almost feel like Anecdoten takes it to a whole other level. <laughs> <laughs> right? They, they do. Yeah. They do. There, uh, there is a, yeah, there is an embarrassment of Mellotron spread across <laughs> the uh, Anecdoten discography. <laughs> and we got to give... Props to the band, obviously. Um, this is another great thing about that. There's so many interesting and great things about this band that make them what they are apart from the music. And that is uh, one of the things is that they kept the same lineup the whole time. You have Nicholas Barker, the guitarist vocalist. You have Anna Sophie Dahlberg, who played cello and keyboards and a lot of keyboards at that. You have bassist vocalist Jan-Eric Lindelström and drummer Peter Nordens. And... Uh, from the first album of the sixth, this was the lineup. I've talked to Ken Golden about this band a bit, and you know, he he mentions, oh, they're they're total prog heads, which doesn't surprise me, but like they, you know, some some prog bands, they're maybe not as interested in like the history of prog, but apparently these guys are like just, you know, they've delved the way you and I have delved or whatever. Right. Um he he mentions especially Peter Norton's is um so if <laughs> not that anecdote will ever listen to this, but if they do. I heard elements musically of Nidralog in some of that material mm. that we just listened to. I'm not just saying that because I love to say the word Nidralog, but I, and I love that band as much as you do, but I do hear that genuinely. So I, yeah. I feel like um, they're 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 hitting a lot of the right buttons with us uh, as prog lovers. And then Vol uh, another band that has that sort of you know extreme you know Vandergraaf. Um, sure. the urgent dissonant side but also that yeah. very very beautiful poetic side too pastoral yep yep yeah pastoral um, yeah exactly. exactly and then vocally i and, and and here's the thing with anecdote for me no matter who's singing like vocally i think i like i like how mellow and rich some of it is it's it's um it's 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 spacey it's a little bit spooky and creepy it's never great like i think anecdote never it's not a about no the vocals necessarily no. uh but but i will say that vocally some of that reminded me of raw material which is um uh mm. an album called um it's either this is or time was 
time was. Time was. No, that's Wishbone Ash song. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Time is. Oh, <laughs> Wishbone, you know Wishbone Ash came along and said time was. Fuck that shit. Time, dude. Time's happening now. Yeah. Bitch. So raw material time. Time is. Uh, it, it reminded me a little bit vocally. So so I don't know. I just feel like they were very '90s. They were very modern at every stage of their of their output. But I I love that they weren't they and they were retro too. But they weren't so like hopelessly retro, right? You know, and, and it, it's kind of like Anglegard. The influence is very clear, uh, but but the music itself has so much vitality on its own yeah that it 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 feels you know current it feels relevant um i mean you know there were i mean look you know there were a lot of echoes on the first mars volta record um, oh yeah all across the board yeah Uh, but it it never felt anything less than current well look well, look, let's not compare Mars Volta to Anglegard because Anglegard are clearly, fiercely way more retro than Mars Volta. I don't think that's what you're saying. Yes, but... <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's not what I'm saying. Right, right. But, yeah, okay, no, no, no. <laughs> and and, and no. here's the thing. I, I, and I get what you're saying when you first brought up Anglegard, but I will. I, I think we split a little bit there in the sense that I like them, but I do find them almost hopelessly retro. I know what you mean. You can tell it's not from the 70s. Um, but but just barely. I think I'm a bigger Anglodor fan than you are. You are, yeah. You I are. am. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. I'm pretty. I'm. I'm, I'm smitten. <laughs> Fair enough, man. I, I, I have no real problem with that band. <laughs> well, let's jump. This is going to be interesting. We're going chronologically with the anecdote and thing. We're going to move to a completely different band called Morte Macabra, which has serious and very direct links to anecdote and it's two members from anecdote and merged with two members of Landberg. They specialized in interpretations of, um, I guess what we'll call pre-existing horror movie soundtrack music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird to call this a covers album because uh, technically it's not. And it's also, uh, I just, this is kind of just this side bands interpretations of some of these great pieces that were dark and proggy from the horror genre of the sixties and seventies. I mean, you, I, this, yeah, I, I absolutely like this album is a complete obsession for me. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, this dude, I had this before I ever had an Onigoden record. Oh, interesting. Um, maybe I can say I think you, I think, I think you may have too. I will, we'll get back into that origin story later. Yeah. I, you know, I tell you what, when we, um, we go to break, we have a couple of beers, find out how all these boys got together, then how we discovered Onigoden, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna listen god, to god bless you metallica yeah I, and the uh Probably the most used joke look, on this show i'm looking at the yes the most used joke by uh, apparently i don't i still don't think you can find that on youtube but it's called what is that what is that DVD metallomania called? metallomania you have to see this thing and we love metallica so this is not a this is not a dig at right, no 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 Boy, Absolutely. this is um this is some funny stuff. Anyway, um, we're gonna play two songs from the Morta Macabre album, which was called Symphonic Holocaust. <laughs> Great title. Yeah. Um came out, what did it come out on? Musea Records. It came yeah. out, yeah, the great Musea. Yeah, from, from France. The first one is a Fabio Frizzi song called I don't really dare say it. Um Sequenza. Sequenza, yes, from uh from the movie The Beyond. And then we're going to jump to a little bit more and more to Macabre and do Quiet Drops by oh the great, great, great Goblin. 
one of the, one of the greatest melodies ever written. Yeah, very, very memorable opinion. and yeah, beautiful, melancholy, wonderful. Let's go.
the interpretations are pretty faithful, I would yeah. say, but they're more um, they're more organic, more band oriented. And what's funny, it's like for music that was made in the um, in the seventies. I I want to say Quiet Drops was like nineteen eighty, maybe. Yeah, that was a later. It's I mean, Leo, it's on Leo Omega. But for music that was made in the 70s and 80s, the versions on the Mort Macabre records sound, to me, even more 70s than those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess I hadn't thought of that, but you're kind of right. Um, <laughs> good, good one. I, I'm not familiar with all of the, uh, the originals, I will, I, will, I will admit. However... The other great thing about this album is technically it's not a, an all covers album um, <laughs> because there's 18 minutes at the very end, the title track that were written by the band. And um, it's amazing. It's so yeah. amazing. And I, I think that's what makes the record. I think I like the other seven songs. I will never part with this album. I, I, I'm sure. as bonded with it as you are. I love it. It was a certain gateway for me. Um, I was already into Goblin. I wonder about anecdote and maybe you could tell that now, but yeah, this um, symphonic Holocaust song. You remember the first time you heard it? Uh, this album? Yeah, mm -hmm. I think we, I think it was in Virginia. No, where? No, it was me, you, Tim, and Josh at my place in Winston. Oh yeah, and we were okay. stoned right. out of our minds. <laughs> oh really? I, hard to believe. Weird. And we put this on, and everybody in the room was just kind of like, yeah. Yeah, 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 and I'm, and I'm sure John. Because I had, I had only gotten it, I don't, a few weeks before. Kevin, Kevin Huffnagel, the amazing guitarist, and anybody who knows him, also just amazing person. Yes, um, from Dysrhythmia and uh, uh, Valra and a whole little, bunch little, of other things. Little, Gorga, little, little bit, little band yeah, from band Canada. Canada. Called... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm jumping on you. <laughs> Go Gorgas. <laughs> Got it. Anyway. Um, he actually, when he was at Relapse, I, I guess this thing came through the mail order something, and he got a hold of it. And, uh, uh, he, uh, yeah, he and I used to do tape trading or disc trading or whatever, and sure, he um, he turned me onto it, and it's yeah, nice. Okay, wow, that's, thing ever since. I was telling you earlier, I don't remember. I knew the anecdote name along with checking out Anglegard and Lonberg even before it, uh, but I hadn't heard anecdote at that time but more to macabre came along in in the midst of my crazy delving uh what year was more to macabre it was uh 98 so we got into this album you know several years after it came out and then we got into anecdote is that right because i was telling yeah. you earlier that i can't remember uh despite knowing the name and the other bands they came up with i don't remember when i first got into anecdote. again we were remember. together okay it was at um near fest 2005 and we we both bought vmod Aha. Uh -huh. And that's when I bought the two Anglegard records. Okay. Um, okay. Yep. Yep. We have a, I mean, you and I together have a pretty personal history with this band. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It was probably, yeah. Uh, I imagine we listened to it on the way back because that was always we the did. thing. After Nearfest, you'd take the eight hour drive south and uh, listen to all the CDs that uh, you were. You I remember were, you and I like being so delirious. Um, <laughs> tired after that i i remember the uh the uh, spicy bacon the spicy bourbon <laughs> burger <laughs> yeah we 
No, that's see that that would be more common. I mean, certainly, I'm sure Hardee's has come out with something like that. I, I think bourbon in general has become a flavor uh, for all kinds of weird shit. But like back then, and this we're talking 15, 18 years ago. I, I don't even like, remember that being like a an actual like I, I remember it being sort of like a time saver like convenience store. You no, know, we bit. pulled off yeah at a time saver <laughs> convenience store type place, and and there was this dodgy sort of restaurant attached to it, and they were advertising a, a spicy bourbon burger which sounded like the grossest fucking thing to both of us and still does quite honestly. Yeah. That sounds pretty uh, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah, don't, don't put your bourbon in my meat, man. Especially in a place like that. So oh, God, any, yeah. anyway, right. that's, that's, that's the anecdote thing. I, I remember going pretty full on and crazy for anecdote. And after that, getting everything um, time of day had come out uh, shortly after that. So yeah, that's uh that's an interesting memory. It thing. was an interesting time to get into them because right. Yeah, like they, they, you know, they had a lot of music already available, but then, you know, two years later, Time of Day came out, and that yeah. was that was quite the revelation. You know how um, I feel about that one, and I oh well, yeah, I know, it's probably I know my how favorite one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, and and we'll hear a bit from that later, but sure. that you know that was kind of confirmation, like these guys are, you know, this this is a a, a really special band. Let's move on to Anecdoten's third album out of six. Um, I, one thing I want to mention first is they were always fiercely independent in terms of releasing their albums. I know that Ken Golden from Laser's Edge went after them hard when um, they were they had recorded the first album, uh, but they told them at some point, nah, gonna, we're going to go independent. And they did that the whole time. And they've sold, according to their website, they've sold almost 100,000 albums by now. That's amazing. Uh, I know. And That's they did amazing. it their way on, on a label called Verta or Vitra, or is it Verta? And good for them, man. They went DIY all the way. They made a name. Uh, they played tons of shows, mostly in Europe, um, but they've made a mark and they did it in a fiercely independent way. And I think, <laughs> I'm sure this is just coincidence, but with all the crimson comparisons and you know how Fripp got uh, against the music industry, and I think rightfully so, and went fiercely independent with Discipline, Global Mobile, and, and just keeping the rights and all that. Like, I feel like that's yet another parallel between Octo yeah. and Crimson. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, one, that's, maybe, that's true. I, I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, it's very true. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, te testament to the quality of their music. No, no, yep. no question about it. So here we go. We're going to listen to a couple off the From Within album. And this took about, uh, I guess it was about four years to come out. Um, yeah, 99. Yeah, 99. Yep. And I love the album cover. It's it's almost like an amniotic sack for an, an adult. It looks terrifying. Um, <laughs> I, I love the cover. This is one of their most effective covers. And I think this band has always had some pretty intriguing artwork. Very, um, it, it, yeah, very conscious band in, in all regards. Yeah, 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 totally. And kudos yeah. to the uh, From Within cover. This is uh, a couple songs from that. We'll sample Kiss of Life and we'll sample Hole.
So, hey, man, I think you wanted to mention something about fancy rock, uh, which is my invented term for uh, your plethora of indie rock CDs uh, and, and your deeper knowledge of that. We I, feel like we're, I feel like we're getting there. We're getting there. That, but, but that's what I'm saying. I think this is the first real glimpse of that. Yeah. 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 But still, let us say the amount of Mellotron. <laughs> still, still lots of Mellotron. Still an embarrassment. An embarrassment of Mellotron, if, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> we will. But and yeah, um, they are starting to sort of spread their wings. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, and I feel like sort of, you know, beginning to embrace their own songwriting voice. This might be a good time to, to mention something here. We don't generally rank the albums when we do a discography feature, but um, and I'm not going to do it now, and I'm not going to ask you to do it. But I kind of realized today that my favorite four albums of the six are their bookends. It's the first two and the last two, mm. a- and Gravity and From Within I like a lot. I just find them those classic kind of transitional albums, you mm-hmm. know. And there's two of them. Look. Usually, in a, in a discography, you get one transitional album per era. We'll say. You know, to me, this Anecdoton's output seems like a straight line and from within and gravity, the ones in the sweet middle there, at least so far, are are these stricter, streamlined albums that are getting to where they got with the last two. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, they kind of, you know, the Growing Pains uh, albums. I think so. And they're interesting in that way. So yeah, here we have From Within and I think it's a beautiful album. Where do you where do you put it if you were gonna just put it somewhere in the discography in terms of your rank or how special it is to you or not? I I still think they're all pretty special to me, except for the the most recent one, which I actually don't know. Oh wow, people will people that love and know anecdote will be shocked to know this because that um, and I have a little bit of a of an interesting history with that one too. So when we get there, we'll yeah. I um I I feel like I should you know in the interest of. you know, the honesty, the integrity of the kind of coverage that you and I provide. I feel like the people deserve to know that I don't know that album. The coverage. I never thought of us as coverage. <laughs> that's such, a, such an old radio word. Not, I love it. Yeah, it is, man. I, you know, I grew up with Paul Harvey in my ear. So, oh, uh, do you really? So we're, we're oh yeah, my, my dad was like a huge Paul Harvey. Fan. We're 10 years apart and you know Paul Harvey. I used to love Paul Harvey, and that's the what was it? What was his tagline? And that's the way it was. No, that's that was Cronkite. Yeah. Paul Harvey had a thing he would say at, at the he end of the broadcast. Uh let's at some point we'll great uh, stuff. I love that you mentioned Paul Harvey. Holy shit. Anyhow. That was the first thing I heard in the morning waking up, man. It, like my dad's alarm clock was literally Paul Harvey. It I thought go he was off fantastic. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so anyway, I don't I have no idea how we got to Paul Harvey here, um, <laughs> but, but because of our integrity, Jeff. Oh yes, the coverage. That's how we wound up the, here. The, the coverage. We're, I think it's a good time to move on to the fourth album, Gravity. It's sort of interesting. I, I looked on Prague Archives. I listened to uh, a podcast that Ken Golden did with his friend Pete Pardo on Sea of Tranquility mm. about six weeks ago, which I want to talk about in a second, uh, where they ranked the Anecdoten albums. I only learned about that after we decided to do this episode. So I didn't I know. I didn't. Yeah, I feel like they kind of got us. I feel like they kind of came in before us and did the, the same exact thing. Okay. Um, however, the thing I wanted to say was that in that episode and in, in, in looking at Prague Archives rankings and looking at other rankings and just reading reviews of this band, I've gotten the sense that Gravity's 
probably if you if you just took it uh, as a stat, uh, would be the least favorite of, of people. Hmm. I find that interesting. I, I, I and that's not my least favorite. I, I actually I, I quite like gravity. Sure. I, yeah. I mean, well, we're talking about the transition into a more streamlined, sort of modern rock approach, mm-hmm. along with mm-hmm. the, the great prog that they always deliver. And I think Gravity does it just fine. I have no problem with it. But that's the thing. I think you're splitting hairs with Anecdoten in terms of. Um, yeah, I mean the, the the margins are pretty thin. Exactly. You know, they, they they're they're always they're always good. I think Ken actually texted me that earlier. We were talking a little bit about Anecdoten because I had finally checked out that episode that they that they did and just curious what those guys thought i, I want to mention that real quick ken golden we've mentioned him a lot laser's edge guy laser's edge mail order laser lasercd.com check it out buy there uh, pete pardo has been the head of sea of tranquility zine for a long time turned in has turned into a pretty successful and widely watched video podcast and they ranked the anecdote albums recently so they also have the opinion that there are no bad albums here, only exemplary ones that are just hair's degree different than the others uh, in terms of how you'd rank them. But I want to I want to shout out to Ken's rankings because um, here's his favorite to not favorite. OK, his number one. Can you guess what Ken Golden's number one would be? Uh, Vmod. Yeah, <laughs> you came up with that pretty quick. <laughs> how, how, how shocking. And, and then number two, all until all the ghosts are gone. The sixth and really. Phase. Yes, absolutely. And you know what? I don't. Again, I have a weird history with that album, but at this point, I do not, I do not dispute that anyone ranking it that high. It's amazing. Okay. Uh, his third favorite, not surprising, Nucleus. Uh, then he goes to From Within, and then A Time of Day, and then Gravity. Uh, oh. Loves them all. Interesting. Yeah. So shout out to our buddy Ken and Sea of Tranquility. Let's move on to Gravity. I wanted to mention about Gravity that this is one of two albums. Uh, the second one being until all the ghosts are gone, where Anna Sophie didn't play cello. She has her usual keyboard array, of course. And these are two songs from Gravity that you chose. Gin-picked selections here. First one's called Monolith. Second one's called SW4. Any idea what SW4 refers to? Uh, I do not. Do you know? Kind of sounds like you do know. I don't know at all. Sidewinder uh, Sidewinder 4. I have not, not done my radical research. I, I, I have no idea. Okay. All right. Swedish... But- willpower for Ooh, and it's four people in the band okay mm. Swedish willpower so we're gonna go with monolith from gravity and swedish willpower four from gravity
to say we probably listen to a lot of music that can be considered or labeled hypnotic uh but i don't know if there's anything more hypnotic than that that's sw4 or swedish willpower 4 has this churning flow that is so beautiful i guess that's it the, is. that's the word for it really right it, yeah man good pick good pick that that to me is like them really crossing over into you know, the realm of, I mean, I hate to call it modern rock is because it's timeless. It's not, it doesn't belong to any era, but sure. then we're really, you know, getting beyond Prague into something really just kind of transcendent, but basically what you just said. Um, well, well I, yeah. And here's the thing, isn't, isn't Prague so many different things? And, yes. it, yeah. and that's the thing. Anecdoten always fall under the umbrella. SW4 happens to be this richer, more gauzy, webby kind of yep. hypnotic piece. Obviously, they're they're drawing from old Prague, but they're um, and I think I think there's there's a soundtrackish element to that one that Mordemakov were trying to go for. Sure. Uh, where it's just it's just setting a scene, and you know, if you're doing deep listening, you just let your imagination take you where it will. And SW4, the song it's, itself, is really only the bed for that. You know what I mean? Like it's mm -hmm. it. it um, I don't know. I can say a lot about that song, and I'm glad you picked it. It's um, it's a great one, and it's a little shoegazy too. And yeah, I, it is. I hesitate it is. to you know sure. men mention shoegaze uh, in an anecdote and survey, but. Uh, I think that's the beauty of this band is where they can they can kind of draw from that but make it their own completely. I mean, that's not that's not Catherine Wheel. It's not slow dive. It's not. No. You know, but but it does have this element of churning, repetition. It's 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 um, it's it's very, it's it's reliant on effect, effects. You know, just mm -hmm. the aesthetic and atmosphere and production. Yeah. Yeah. So we've said so much about SW4. Is there anything to say about Monolith? <laughs> It kind of gets lost there, doesn't it? <laughs> a little bit. I, I also, think... a, be a beautiful song. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but more, you know, it's it's easier to sort of trace back Monolith to the earlier material. Sure. Um, SW4 sure. is yeah, a, a band really, really, I guess, you know, tunneling more deeply down into the reservoir. Oh, yeah. Um, and and yeah. Prague, psychedelic. 
you know um but like how how was shoegaze not progressive rock you know what i mean like all that's the, all you know the beauty of it all like you just said it's like prog is so many things well um, yeah i mean like there are pro i would i would imagine most shoegaze bands are to some degree influenced by pink floyd we're maybe not so much by general giant okay um, yeah right where it doesn't matter because but it doesn't matter because it's yeah. all from that same pool of exploration uh that was just exploding in the late 60s and early 70s and um yeah here we end up with you know anecdote and a few decades later i mean it's a i just think they're just one of the best exemplars of of prog rock post 70s uh, no oh yeah problem. oh absolutely yeah we love this yeah because they they you know take it yeah they take it beyond the the museum um into ah. a, an entirely new place that's a beautiful way to put it taking hmm. it beyond the museum that's great that's all we need to say about gravity although wait one thing i do want to say about gravity what are the best song titles that we're not going to feature um what should but did not die <laughs> i'm like that's written by a couple of misanthropes that's great i love that yeah that's fantastic that's a great song title um, they, they, they saw 2016 coming <laughs> So uh, you, you you can edit that out. I, I like that our show's apolitical. That's all right. So we we start to move. Uh, no, I'm not going to edit that out at all. We I, we know what you mean, and I agree with you. We move on. They keep doing four year increments since Nucleus. Uh, we had mm -hmm. within four years later. We had Gravity four years later. We get a time of day four years later. This album I was primed and ready for. We were already into them, and this album came out as a new one. I picked it up really quick. I would say partly because I was reading, I was um, starting to get into Margaret Atwood and I was reading The Handmaid's Tale. And there was mm. something about the cover art that so reminded me of Handmaid's Tale. And yeah. we'll look at it, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. The no, Handmaid's wandering yeah. in, this, in this kind of uh, beautiful but kind of monochromatic forest. It, it, um, it, it's... Um, I can't tell if it's a if it's a happy trudge they're doing or a, or a, or a bleak one, but yeah. it, it evokes something. So I was like, I'm all over this thing. I hope it's as good as the previous stuff. This may be my favorite. I like Vimod. Vimod is probably up there with my number one, but um, it's such a different um, type of record. And, oh. and and I think a time of day is the more original one. And and you're saying it's your favorite too. It is interesting. It is. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's great. It hit us both pretty hard. And I picked two songs from it that are my favorites. Are there other favorites that, that I didn't pick that you want to just shout out to if people want to sample it on Tidal or Spotify? Or I just think, you know, I, I, I would recommend that everyone, I don't, to me, like, I mean, these are great picks, like fantastic picks, but just buy the album. It is, I mean, it's, it's pretty much a wall-to-wall -wall great album. Amen. Let's do. I, mean, uh, I, I think. Yeah, you know. I, absolutely is. Uh, let's. We'll go from King Oblivion to a little bit of In for a Ride.
they've always been guitar oriented as much as they've been say keyboard oriented but i feel like in this stuff in this era we're getting a lot more guitar uh being up front laying down kind of the most memorable stuff leading the attack so to speak yeah um and i love that i love that we're in this era of them and they they're still changing it up a little bit the other thing i wanted to say was that during the beginning of that in for a ride snippet i mentioned caravan to you and you said yeah yeah but we were talking about it all being all modern and fancy rock and indie rock. Like what do you hear them doing beyond say the seventies caravan influence? What do you hear them doing there? That's contemporary for 2007 or, or maybe even, even the nineties uh, in terms of indie rock stuff. So I, I basically hear them, you know, recasting that older influence into a, a this, you know, compact, very potent, very song oriented, concise package um but but i hear elements of art rock like modern art rock like elbow and fields british bands that were sort of taking you know progressive folk and progressive song-oriented 70s rock into the into the new millennium (laughs) (laughs) wow you brought back yeah. the tagline from 22 years ago. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. When that yeah. was everywhere. New rock for the new millennium. New millennium. Rock is back for the new millennium. <laughs> <laughs> well, despite that hilarious tag at the end, um, yeah. you're you're so spot on. I can't even believe it. That's, that's great. That's a great album. It's it's the one we probably recommend highly. And I think we would recommend VMOD on the, on the bookend uh, as another one if you're just getting into them. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, and I, I suspect that most of our listeners would find VMOD pretty easy to get into. Oh, yeah, but I mean, I we have to, you know, all these are great, but time they are. That's why we're, incredible. you know, that's why we're doing this is because yeah. this band really has just made a bunch of great albums. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it was tough to pick songs. I mean, like, I, you know, looking at um, we just heard my two favorites from A Time of Day, but certainly uh, the other six or whatever songs it is um, from that album. Was it an eight song album? Yeah. Are so good. That's a, yeah. This is an album band, as most of our favorites are. I saw them live for the one and only time hmm. for me in 2012. This was the Roadburn Festival in Tilburg, Netherlands <sighs> that Voivod curated. And Anecdoten was one of the bands that Voivod had picked to be there along with like killing joke and and well, so many others but anyway i don't know if it was my mood i don't know if it was the vibe of the festival it was a great time um i saw so much great shit there Oliver played that year that was on the uh, childhood's end era you saw a ronzi pazuzu right that yeah that was the same year 2012 but did you did uh, am i imagining that you saw solstice fear or I uh, also saw Solstice. Okay, okay I saw okay. Solstice Fear that year uh, at Roadburn, same same festival, and Oransi Pazuzu. And those two bands are the only ones I saw in the church venue, which is across wow. the street from the main one, the 013. And the church is amazing because it's got these big stained glass windows. And I saw both those bands and seeing them in a church, uh, and it was clearly a church. It wasn't like a church that they had just redone and you wouldn't know it. It was a church. And it was beautiful. It was so amazing to see those kinds of bands in, in that uh, element. Yeah. Anyway, getting back to Anecdote, and they played on the main stage, 013, one of the days. 
And I just, I, I, I remember feeling very cold about it. I love their music. I love their songs. I love, I love the members. I just, I just think they're such a great band all around, but I just, um, it just, uh, something felt cold to me about it. So I don't know if it's one of those live shows that you see where you're like, you're not in the right mood. I mean, we can, yeah, have sure, that, sure. we can have that with album listens too. You're just not in the mood for yep. that. Uh, but, uh, I, I'd sure love to give it another go because <laughs> I, yeah, I love this band, but yeah, so it took them a long time. It took them eight years to follow up a time yeah, of day. multiples of four, multiples of four. They're, they're into that. And in 2015, we got an album called until all the ghosts are gone. And I love the album cover. It looks like Opeth was dying to have that album cover in the new era and they just couldn't get it. It's great. However, it's, it's really weird. When this one came out, I got it right away. And I just, again, I, and I think, and I think that's the reason I bring up the live show thing was that I don't think I was in the right mood. Weirdly enough, I just didn't connect with it. And I just, I just thought, oh, this is anecdote and just kind of repeating themselves. Mm -hmm. And then over the years, and I'd say in the last two years, it has become so huge for me. It's really changed. And I, I consider this one of their absolute best. And then I started reading reviews on it going, oh, shit, people, this landed huge for people. It's Ken Golden's second favorite. So I'm like, okay, there's something. <laughs> I missed it. I missed well, it. Well, I need to, uh, yeah, I need to make things right then. Well, let's listen to Shooting Star. And I want to get your take on it before we go out with another song. How about that? How about we do just the one snippet? All right. And uh, love to hear what you think about it. I think I think you'll be blown away. Just lurking in the night 
damn. Okay, so so no matter what I was thinking in terms of them repeating themselves, they never ripped a, so, a guitar. I was going to say, I've never heard them rock that hard. Oh, exactly. It, it sounds a little bit like contemporary Opeth, which in my opinion is not a bad thing at all. Got to hear your thoughts on that, being a newbie to the to this. Thing. The, the, what I'm saying, I mean, yeah, like there's a, like an aggression, like a digging in that, um, and, and and also too, I never think about guitar solos really in uh, in Onigdoten. No, and I mean that's some that's some gunslinger stuff, man. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. man. Like, it, where has this band been? Yeah, th this is a surprising album for me. Uh, again, I think it hit most Onatoten fans really well when it came out. I was late to the party. Um, you're even later. And it's never too late to come to the party. This is, this is a, such a great album. It, it, it was really hard to pick snippets from this one, probably harder than the rest, time of day excluded. But um, there's, there's a lot here. There's a lot that's not like that. There's a lot that evokes that. There are a lot of different areas they go to. Uh, I'm really glad I came around to it. It's kind of testament to just sticking with something for a little while or, you know, putting something on the shelf and then bringing it back out, not being afraid of new music. Because, you know, 2015, that's really relatively new for both of us. <laughs> uh, it is. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> So this is this is great stuff. And we're going to we're going to leave you. We want to invite you to visit radicalresearch.org for uh, not only all of our episodes, but our our books that we have on sale, our CDs that we have on sale, certainly of your of your band anyway. We're going to have a magazine here shortly. Oh, I can't wait for that. The journal. What? Uh, and that's called Deserts of Hex. And yep. um, we will be letting everyone know about that when it's out. I can't wait for that. I will buy one. I will not accept a free copy. But I'm, I'm really proud of you, brother, and you and Tom Clark, I think, are the main two that have yep. contributed to this. Yeah, um, yeah. and then um, just visit us on Facebook and just be a part of our fun. Thanks for listening. And uh, we are not strictly a metal podcast, and I hope this episode proves it yet again. There's other music out there. We're going to end with a song called Our Days Are Numbered. This is from Until All the Ghosts Are Gone from 2015. Uh, thank you for listening and uh, thank you, Hunter. Thank you.